Hello, my friends. Welcome back to The Conversation. This is Chad. We have such a special episode for you this week, a a special conversation. Typically, we only get to interview one badass founder, entrepreneur, leader on this podcast at a time. This one is very different, very different, my friends. This past weekend, we had an opportunity to spend three days in Austin, Texas with 14 incredible entrepreneurs from around the country, founders from around the country, to workshop their specific needs, challenges, problems, and opportunities in their business. We kicked it off with a huge open door party where we had a panel of three phenomenal, badass female founders and entrepreneurs. Our very own Adrian hosted the conversation and just had such an incredible time digging in with Ali Webb from Drybar and Beckon and Quill. Jenny Brittenbauer from Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams, and Lauren Bostick from Skinny Confidential. The level of authenticity, the level of realness, the level of sharing in this conversation, I mean, rarely do we get three of this level of founder and entrepreneur in the room at the same time and interacting with each other and sharing their own experiences. So to me, this evening was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity I got so much out of it. I can't wait for you to listen to the conversation. If you have insights, ahas, or just want to let us know that you enjoyed it, please reach out to us. And without further delay, I give you Ali Webb, Jenny Brittenbauer, and Lauren Bostick. Well, welcome. This is Lodgewell Presents. If you guys don't know Lodgewell, they are the best kept secret in Austin. They are a concierge, high touch experience if you're looking for places when you got family in town or whatever, or you just want a little nice little staycation, they've got property all over the Austin area. So please check out Lodgewell. And a big thanks to Lodgewell that did all the work putting this event together. So I'm Adrian Kaler. As I mentioned, I run a leadership coaching and training firm called uh, Take New Ground. And this tonight is actually an episode of our podcast that's called the Naked Leadership Podcast. And the purpose of the Naked Leadership Podcast is to have a conversation about what it's like to be in the seat, to be the driver in the seat. A lot of times there are conversations about business that are about point A and point B, and those are important conversations, and everybody ought to know how to get from point A to point B. We need more, I say we need more and more conversations about what it's like in the journey between A and B, because that's where most people lose it. That's where most people give up. That's where most people get caught up in their own ego. That's where most people decide to start lying, decide to, you know, quit. And I say, we need heroes these days. And so the way to do that is to get to know heroes. So three heroes of mine, everybody welcome Jenny and Allie and Lauren. Give a round of applause. And I want to start off the conversation, by the way, thank you, ladies. Um, start off the conversation, just give you a minute just to introduce yourselves. I'm sure everyone here knows a lot about each of you, but I want to give you a second or a couple minutes to be able to introduce yourself. Jenny Brittenbauer, who head founder of Jenny's Ice Cream. I'll brag on you for a second with New York Times bestselling cookbook. Two books, one of which New York Times bestselling or both? Wow. One, amen, <laughs> amen. And the third one, I'm sure. But you're in 60, you have 60 stores, you're in 4,000 groceries. So you guys all love her ice cream already. Um, Jenny, why don't you give us a little bit of an intro? Well, yes. Hi, everybody. Um, how many of you have had our ice creams? Yay! Oh, that makes me so happy. Do you guys have favorites at all? Bramble berry. Bramble berry. Salty caramel. Bramble berry. Okay. Strawberry buttermilk. Yes. 
That's amazing. I am. Um, I think of myself as a start small and build entrepreneur. That's how I. That's just the way that I say it all the time. So I started my company. Actually, left art school in the middle of a figure drawing class because a model walked in that I always had trouble drawing, and I didn't want to draw her anymore for three hours. And I wanted to go home and make ice cream. So I did, and I never went back. Um, uh, and I went and uh, home, made ice cream, and started a few months later in a farmer's market making ice creams. And um, there I learned literally everything I know. I spent 10 years, boots on the ground, in that market, making ice creams and selling ice creams over the counter every single day. I did a real shit job in the beginning, and then I got better over time, over a long time. And I think that's what's missing in our conversation right now in the world of entrepreneurship and business. So I'm here for it, for anybody out there who has a dream of vision, um, especially with the put one foot in front of the other, one cone at a time, one dollar at a time, because that's been my entire story. We started growing in 2007, and now we're where Adrian says we are, which is amazing, 60 stores, and um, still love service. That's our number one important thing that we do, is just serving people over the counter, loving people every day. At Jenny's, we say, make people feel loved, and that's like how we do our ice creams and um, our whole company. So yay, good to be with you guys. Next, next, let me introduce Allie Webb. You all know Allie Webb. If you know Allie Webb, give her a holler. Yeah, so this is my fiance, Allie Webb. <laughs> Obviously, a New York Times bestseller, founder of Dry Bar, 150 stores around the country, about to be international. Um, so many other businesses, squeeze and, sorry, I'm thinking. I was just caught up in a love story in my head. I was thinking, wow, somebody, somebody ought to do his best to nab this one. Um, and he did, and he worked. The um, uh, founder of Beckett and Quill, you guys should all buy grocery uh, groceries. You should all buy jewelry back here. I'm flustered, buy jewelry back here. Um, Beckett and Quill, squeeze, okay, humans, new, so many, how many? Uh, that's, that's bright sides right coming now, yeah. next, sorry. <laughs> So many businesses. Why don't you take a couple I minutes? Knew, I think you should keep going. <laughs> this is fun. Go, my love. Go. Save um, me. Thank you, babe. Um, yeah, so I started a company called Dry Bar. How many of you guys have been to a dry bar? Good, good. Um, <laughs> not for a blowout. But, um, anyways, um, yeah, you know, and I think, I mean, I, Jenny and I have known each other a long time. We've been on a lot of panels and things together. And, you know, I think, I, you know, I think of myself as kind of like a... Um, non-traditional entrepreneur you know I didn't I didn't go to college I don't have a fancy business degree I was a hairstylist um, because I grew up in a place like this in South Florida where it was humid and my hair my curly hair was so frizzy and crazy and I hated it and it just started this kind of lifelong desire dream of mine to like figure out how to blow up my own hair and you know which led me to beauty school and which led me to you know lots of other things but um it wasn't until i was like in my mid 30s that i decided to open a place that did just blowouts and you know at the time i really thought it was just going to be me and my one little business and my kids were 3 and 5 at the time and i was going to open this business and pick up my kids from school and run this business and then it was like holy shit it just exploded and turns out girls everywhere want hair they don't have which was you know quite the blessing for us so we realized very very quickly we were onto something. And what 
what you know what makes dry bar so special um you know is like kind of like what you were saying it's like we're not just selling blowouts we're selling the happiness and confidence you get from having great hair it's like when you feel good and you look good you just you feel better you can go into that boarding me meeting or that job interview or whatever it is and that's what we learned very quickly it was like this power this kind of coat of armor that we were giving women to feel and look their best and and so once we figured that out we were like man we've kind of captured lightning in a bottle and we better keep growing it. So that was 11 years ago. And, you know, it's just been just such a crazy wild ride. My life is like turned upside down so many times um, in growing this business. And now I'm kind of on to the next chapter of my life. I partnered with an amazing woman. You guys will meet afterwards, Beck, uh, Meredith Quill. And we started a jewelry, jewelry line just because I'm obsessed with jewelry. And she's amazing. And we started a massage concept because I'm also obsessed with massage concepts. So I start businesses based on things that I'm obsessed with, um, <laughs> which is kind of a joke, but not really. I mean, that is that is the key is like starting something that you love and something that you don't feel like is out there or being done well. It's kind of what's always guided me. So anyways, I um, I guess I am a serial entrepreneur. I'm writing my second book, which is like a memoir of my life, which gets really down and dirty. Um, I, I don't know why I look at you for that. <laughs> um, it just kind of felt natural. Um, but <laughs> anyways, so, so anyways, it's an honor to be here sitting next to these guys. I've known Lauren for a long, long time now. Lauren's like probably the number one dry, dry bar fan in all the land. It all started in San Diego. And yeah, so anyways, it's great to be here. I'm excited to get into a conversation with these guys. And yeah. <laughs> and last, Lauren Bostic um, doesn't need an introduction here at all. I'm sure many, many of you came for the book signing that is to come. But huge personality, always been a ringleader of so many people and rallying great conversations, important conversations. Well, 100 million downloads. Ask Michael. Ask Michael. <laughs> That's the number he told me. He's so 100 million downloads, which is obviously extremely rare. So you must be something to get that. You're not entertaining to get that. You must be something, right? It's, it's you, who you are matters. And so thank you for that. Um, and you've got a book coming out. Uh, a book. It's a out. book. It it's is here. out. Get the get fuck the out of the sun. Amen. <laughs> so tell us, tell us some of your story. I'm Lauren Everett's Bostic. It's Everett's today because Michael pissed me off. There's an Everett's in there. And I'm the creator yeah. of the Skinny Confidential. It's a blog, a brand, a podcast product now, which I'm so excited. Um, I've had it for 12 years. I started it when I was a senior at San Diego State University, and we can get more into this. Um, and I just was really bored, uninspired. So I've tried to find something that I could do from the comfort of my own home to connect women everywhere, which this is Definitely, when I see everyone here, this is why I started the brand. And now I launched my second book. Like I said, get the fuck out of the sun. I'm so excited it's finally here. And you'll definitely see more from product. Awesome. Now, when, I, when, I, when we started talking about doing this event, I knew I was going to be overwhelmed with all the conversations I wanted to have with you all. Um, so for the sake of time tonight, at least I want to start here. Because there's lots of, I don't know if it's controversy or just tension around um, how to lead, like leading out there in the world. Um, we were just talking about how leadership is a tired term. Allie and I were talking about that today. She brought it up, how about leadership is an overused term. What does it really mean? 
I, I tend to use, we tend to use a term in our work called just presencing, like, like showing up in a way that shifts things. I think that's more of what leadership really is versus some kind of title. You all have shown up in a way that shifts your world. I'm curious, and I'd love to hear, and I know it'll be inspiring, as a woman, um, and that's a, that's a huge phrase, as a woman. That means lots of things to different people. Some, for some people, that means really great things. For some people, it means less than great things. So I'd love to hear, and I want to have a free flow of conversation around, as a woman leading out there, presencing in the world, I'm curious about your own experience of what it's been like to go lead, sometimes in some very male-dominated environments, sometimes in non-male-dominated environments. Just, I'm curious about your experience as a woman, as a kick-ass woman, obviously. What it's been like for you. You know, I mean, for me, when we started, my brother was my business partner and my ex-husband. Um, and, I, you know, I've been really fortunate to be around really great men. And I, I, I'll be curious to hear what you guys have, well, what you guys have to say. Um, be, I mean, partially because I know some of your stories. Um, but, you know, I think I, I was thrown in a very male-dominated situation, especially when we raised money and we started a board and it was like predominantly men and they were really smart men like they went to harvard and stanford and i didn't go to college and i felt i remember walking in those rooms feeling like very inferior like i wasn't smart enough to be in there and you know it was really my brother who gave me the confidence and you know to be like this is your idea and it's a really great idea and like own it you know and i was like yeah but it, it didn't just happen like that it took me a little bit of time i used to text my brother in board meetings and questions I had because I was scared to ask them because I was insecure. And, and he, his response was always like, no, it's a good question. You should ask it, you know, and that time after over time, I got more confident with that. And I think that like, that's the takeaway for me is like, I don't look at it like, you know, I'm, I'm fine in a group of men now. Like I could be around men and I can hold my own. And it's like, and it is about how we hold ourselves in those environments and how we perceive ourselves and not letting a man walk all over us and not letting a man dictate anything, you know, or, or a woman really like to me, it doesn't feel it's like, it, it, it's just people, you know, it's like we, we choose how we show up. And for me, I, you know, I, I think, Part, probably because I, I've always been around strong men and not men who were jerks, you know, which I know that is sometimes the experience um, that I've been able to really hold my own in that environment. And I think that's that's about me, not about them. You know, if you're in the world of business, you are going to be in rooms where you're the only woman a lot. And um, yeah. and, and yes, to that 100 percent. I had to learn how to show up in that room because I wasn't raised with that culture. And it is a culture. It's a very, very roped off, very specific um, culture of rules and protocols and, uh, and, and etiquette and all of the things and jokes and all the stuff that they do. And when you're outside of that, even if they're great people, you know, and obviously we only work with great people, it still is like that. It still serves to make you feel like you don't belong there. And even if they don't understand how to bridge that gap. So it is something that you have to get used to, I think, as a, as a woman. And um, part of that is helping them understand where you're coming from, too. I actually don't know a lot of women who speak or even use the word. Uh, there's a couple words that I don't hear women use. And maybe I'm wrong, but like in my life, I just haven't heard them use it. Maybe we don't. We just come from a different perspective. But the men in my life use it a lot, leadership and integrity. And it isn't that, obviously, we're not out leading. I think there's something about gathering and doing mm -hmm. and getting to work. And also, we weren't raised in that 
you know, handed this sort of culture handed down. So there's just a difference in that. Um, but also I think there's this, you know, it's part of that sort of thing that they pass on to each other. It's like, we got to talk about integrity because integrity matters and, da -da -da and whatever. And so they all do that. But I just don't hear women saying, you know, are you a woman of integrity? You know what I mean? Like for real. And it's not that like, we don't need, like, it's not like we don't care about like yeah. being good people. I just hear a lot of men talking about it, but there, it's part of that. Like there's just a divide in culture. And, um, even if you don't mean to make that happen. Yeah. I think for me with the whole conversation of walking into a room full of men, I really just don't, and this is just really honest, I don't give it any energy. I don't care if they're men, I don't care if they're women, I don't care what it is. I walk in, like you mentioned earlier, they're people. I never have walked in and thought, oh, I'm less than because I'm a woman. And I think that that is something that we can train ourselves to just not give it any energy and, and to just walk in like, like we own the place, you know? And so for me, that's been something that's been a tool that I've used in my toolbox for whenever I'm presenting to men. And yes, there's comments and yes, there's a boys club, but I feel like for me, when I even start to engage in it, it gives it, it gives it life. It gives it energy. So I just ignore it. I have had so many people and I've wrote about this on my Instagram like in buttoned up suits, and, and I've wrote about this a lot, so forgive me if you've heard it, but tell me you know, that they don't get lymphatic drainage, that they don't get facial massage, that they don't get, that I've had someone say they don't get a roller, they don't get it. And I wanna look at him and be like, you need lymphatic drainage. <laughs> like your under eye bags are so bad, get an ice roller, like I'm so, I don't know what to do with you. Like unbutton your suit a little, it's literally making you inflamed. I think that you just have to walk in and really be confident with what with what you're presenting. And I think when you walk into a room and there and there's and it's all men, you just you just don't give it any energy and it takes the life out of it. And I think that like, to that point, you know, walking in a room like you own the place. And you may not actually feel that way. I mean, I don't know about you. I've walked in a room and I've acted that way. And I, meanwhile, my heart was like fucking beating out of my chest. But I, but I'm like, I'm just gonna do it. And and it's like, it's like the fake it till you make it kind of thing. And you know, and it is like, give, and and it's very impressive, especially to you know, it like puts men on their heels when you walk in powerfully. They're like, oh shit, like we can't fuck with her. <laughs> well, and and I'll tell you why, because the only they they fall back on their rules. Yeah, and and like and you're not you're breaking them. Mm -hmm. yeah, and it actually is a really book. good it's like a fake rule book that mm -hmm. they made up. Yeah. But 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 that's also the the that will also be the the the, the reason that they say no. Like mm -hmm. this isn't gonna work, you're not gonna do this, this isn't gonna happen, this isn't whatever, I don't get it, like whatever. And and that power that you put well, and it's like not being intimidated. If you walk in timid and like, you know, putting yourself to in that position of like less than that's how you're perceived, you know? And I think that's something that I learned along the way. I think we all did, you know? I sometimes even look at it as practice. I know I'm going into a meeting, it's going to be a no, but I look at it like, okay, I can improve my speaking skills. I can improve my social skills. I'm gonna look at this as practice to getting to the next level. I had a friend the other day, a really tiny podcast. He, he, they asked him to go on the podcast. And he was like, I feel like this is a waste of time. And I'm like, it's not a waste of time because you can utilize that time on the podcast to perfect your skills. Like I always say, say yes to everything for like the first five to seven years. And then by that point, you've said yes to so many things that you have this toolkit that you wouldn't have said if you don't say yes. So if you're going and presenting in front of a bunch of men and you're like, they're going to say no, I know they're gonna say no, look at it as an opportunity to practice and refine your skills. 
And I mean, I could not agree with that more. I've, I mean, I've recently been pitching a lot of different things and ideas and, and exactly that has happened. And every time I've gone through the pitch, I've been like, oh shit, I learned something. You know, yeah. I mean, there is like, there's so much learning in that experience. I couldn't agree more. Hi. This is awesome. Yeah. So that's it for, no, that's, that's amazing. Well, I'm thinking about, so one of the, uh, a context we're in as a, as a country right now is people tend to listen to or listen for what they agree with, and then everybody else is a dumbass, and yeah. pick whatever, wherever you're at, everybody else is stupid, right? And, but you guys, I know, have built lives and built success through partnering with people that you didn't quite agree with. And I'm curious about what it takes or from your experience, what's it's taken to, to partner with someone that isn't quite like you, um, that might not even that might not even like you, or you might not even like them, but to find a way, it's it's impossible, babe. I know that's. Other, I'm asking for them. I'm asking for them. But I'd love to hear about that. Like what? Because it, it takes courage to build a bridge. It does. It takes courage. You don't do it without courage, or or it takes a vision. I guess you could do that as well. But I'm curious for you. Just because somebody you don't um, agree with somebody doesn't mean that you don't share the same values. And so I think of, in fact, I, I like the word company because it means community versus like the word business. And I think of my company like a fellowship, like Lord of the Rings fellowship with Tolkien. and all that. Like, So it's like somebody's got the ax and somebody's got the sword and everybody's bringing in their unique and amazing perspectives. And in that, you're not going to agree on everything. You can't agree on everything because you won't, you will fail. You have to build your fellowship with very specific people who are very different than you. But the fellowship is united by a mission or like a vision quest, you know, save the world or whatever. And like, um, and, and in that and, and your values. And so you always know and you can trust each other, but, but, but the reason that you can, you know, you can have the debates that you have to have are because you trust each other. And there is, there is a something that's going to unite you, and I think it's the, your values. And then from there, you can go, you know, get the ring. Well, and, and the get the ring. Get the ring to Mordor. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's like also the vision, you know. I mean, I certainly experienced that in growing Dry Bar. And, you know, I, the writing was on the wall very quickly with us. Like, we were growing this brand, and it was totally ours to fuck up, and we needed help. And we were, like, didn't know how to do a lot of things. We brought in a lot of people. And um, for me, it was, like, very hard to give up the autonomy and to like allow other people to make decisions. And I thought they were going to do it wrong. And, you know, and they, they just had their own ideas and they had their own thoughts. And it took me like a long time. It's like, that's when I needed to know Adrian and I needed coaching. And I, my brother even said to me once, like, you should, we should get you an executive coach. And I was like, no, um, <laughs> but I really could have used that guidance because I was so, you know, I was holding on so tight to the company that I couldn't get out of my own way to like, accept the help and to like see things a little bit differently and to and to partner with people for the greater good for the greater vision of what we were all trying to do I kind of thought it was just like my way or the highway and you know and it took me a long time and I think as as a as a founder as like a first-time founder of a company that gets so big you're like shit I don't know what to do here you know and I'm trying to do the best I can I'm trying to protect the integrity of the brand and I and I don't want to like you know, mess up this like beautiful little thing that we started, but like it's got to grow. And so it's, it's a constant tension. And that was like, a, that was a term I learned along the way. It was like healthy tension, which I hated. You know, I was like, I don't understand what's fucking healthy about tension, you know, but I, I disagree with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the rub, it's like you need the rub, you know, but you do need the rub because it's like, 
I think a good example for me is like when we were starting product, you know, I was like, I did not care how much anything cost. I all I cared about was what it, what it smelled like, how it worked, the efficacy uh, and the, and the packaging. And then somebody else could worry about how much it costs, you know, which was a rub. And that was a really healthy rub. And that was something that somebody else needed to be worrying about that. Cause I wanted to really stay focused on, on building the best possible product line we could. So healthy tension. I just feel like if I was, if all my friends, I agreed with them on everything, I would blow my head off. I like, I, I don't understand what we're, we're at this position where you can't follow someone on Instagram if you don't agree with them. I actually think it's incredibly healthy to follow people you don't agree with. I think it tests your patience. I think it makes you incredibly logical and not emotional. Um, so I don't want to follow or be friends with or have people on any of my platforms that I agree with. I have people all the time that I don't agree with. Um, and I, I feel like some people don't like that. They want, they want you to take a stance on one side and be this way. But like, for me, I don't want to be put in a box. I, I want to be able to be fluid. Maybe my opinion's this today and the next day it's something different. Um, and I think that if, if you are launching a company or growing a business, I think it's really important to have people around you that you don't agree with. Um, and to be honest, I, I don't, if everyone's saying yes around me, I'm like, okay, where, where is the spot that, that needs to be no? Um, so I try to surround myself in my life, not just my business with people that I don't agree with. Yeah. And that's such a good point too, yeah. because as a founder of the companies, is anybody in here founder of a company? Oh, yay. Oh amazing. You will get people wanting to make you happy. Yes, people. You will get people who just want you to like, you know, to be, to be okay with whatever happened. And you have to give people permission and you have to demand it really from people and open yourself up and be vulnerable so that other people can too, um, in order to get that back. And you have to have it because honestly, when you expect honesty and, uh, and, and people's full selves to come to the table, it allows you to bring your full self also. It's really important, but yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I remember in the early days of Dry Bar and people were like, you know, really trying to keep the, the ba like the bad things that happened for me. And then I'd find out and I'd be like, why wouldn't you guys tell me? They're like, oh, because we're taking care of it. But I need to know, like, I need to know so I can understand what's happening in my business. And, you know, and, and to your point, I think that if you, if people feel comfortable saying, being coming up to you and saying, Hey, I don't think this is working or there's a problem here. And they, they aren't going to get their head bit off and they're going to, their, their, you know, their feedback is going to be met with like, Oh, okay, let's talk about this versus like, you're wrong it just creates such a better atmosphere company-wide. Yeah. I think it'd be great to hear, because uh, even me listening to you all speak, it's, you know, we think you've got it all together. Like, oh, you've always been this way. Like, you know, you came in as. <laughs> but it'd be good, it'd be good as we're listening to, you know, what are, because you've alluded to a couple, at least the potential for a couple shifts that you guys have made over time. Because there are reasons, I know, I know there are reasons why people surround themselves by yes people because that feels good. And we think we're right and blah, blah, blah. Um, but then we end up paying the price long-term or, and there's reasons why people don't give us feedback, usually because I'm not very nice when people don't give me good feedback. Like I can not be nice. So I'm curious for you, like as you have gone through your journey, what have been like some key self-learnings and shifts that you had to learn either the hard way? Like what were some of like, you had to hit your face against the wall before you got something? We just had a founder on the podcast. Sorry, Michael, I'm not going to say the name. And 
the guy came in and he was clearly not media trained at all. And I think when you, I think he needs to do like 600 million small podcasts. And I'm not saying our podcast is big, but he, he wanted this big moment from the podcast and he just wasn't equipped for it. But because his team around him said, you're so great, you're so amazing, you're so this, you're so yes, 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 yes. They really ended up setting him up and maybe him, he set himself up to fail. It, 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 the podcast, he forgot the mission statement. He was so nervous. He didn't have the tools to be on the podcast. And listen, I'm sure he's great in so many other areas. But I think when you do have that team around you that's telling you, like you just mentioned, you're great, you're great, you're great, you're great. It does set you up for failure. As far as as my own failures, I feel like I fail every single day. I mean, I went from being a solopreneur where I was beating to the tune of my own drum, doing whatever I wanted all day long, working how I wanted to work, to having a team around me. And that's been that's been a huge learning experience. I mean, I'm now learning about things like, you know, having HR and all these different things that I would have never known. I didn't go to business school. It's just been throwing myself in the experience. Um, I would say if, if you are worried about failure, it's part of the gig. It happens every single day. You just got to embrace it. You got to embrace the chaos. My life is chaotic um, all the time. And, and I've just embraced it. It, it. it is what it is. I think if you think you're going to go into any endeavor and not fail, it's, it, it's just, it, that's not how it works. You just, you, you learn from the failure, just like you learn from doing tiny podcasts to get to a bigger podcast where you can really show your skill set. So use every failure. And this is so cliche, but as an opportunity to be like, okay, I can improve this. Now let's get to the next failure so we can learn another thing to improve. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think, you know, we, I, I think it's like, I, I, I know it's cliche, but it is true. It's like the failures are what build us. Um, you know, I think f for me, it was like, you know, kind of what I was talking about before. Like I used to walk into dry bar and lose my shit. And I don't, I don't know if anybody, <laughs> you know, I would walk in and things weren't the perfect way I wanted them to be. The music wasn't loud enough. The shop wasn't clean enough. You know, I was like, I'm, uh, I've been doing hair for 20 years. The stylists weren't doing exactly what I wanted them to be. The, the receptionist wasn't greeting people the way I wanted them to be. You know, I mean, every, it, it's like, it was like sensory overload in my brain. And I w felt like I was going to explode. And I was like, this is not how it's supposed to be, you know, and I would, and those were early days when I was like learning how to like navigate through that and without like being a total shit show, which I was, I'd, I'd walk in and I'd start cleaning and everybody would be like, why is Ali cleaning? You know, it's like, well, because the shop's dirty and nobody else is doing it, you know? You're going to bring passive aggressive up, huh? Well, I was just so mad and I was like, damn it, I'll show them I'm doing myself, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Anyways, you know, and it took, you know, it was like, and, and then we had about three or four years in, we brought in like a professional CEO and he was amazing. And he was like, Ali, you got to chill out. Like you can't go in the stores and be like a raving bitch. You know, he's like, people are excited to see you. And did he say that to you like that? He did, he said, I don't know if he said raving bitch. That's what I heard, but that's what he meant. He was like, you've got, and he's very diplomatic. And I actually have one of my favorite pictures of all time is me like in his office like this, you know, with my head down. Cause I was just so defeated by it. You know, I was like, this is just not how it's supposed to be. And, you know, and I want, I wanted perfection so bad and I still do want perfection, but I had to learn how to like 
you know, it, it wasn't always going to be perfect. And that was something I had to learn how to accept. And then it was like, how do I deliver the news? You know, it's like, maybe not like unloading on the, like the poor bartender that was at the front, you know? Um, and I didn't unload all the time. I tried to explain why someone was going, but my, it's like my brother used to say to me, he's like, but your tone, you're being like such a bitch. And I'm like, I'm not being a bitch. I'm just explaining it, you know? And it just, all of that around me, you know, was really like, my head was literally spinning and I just wanted perfection so badly. And so it was like, learning how to have those conversations and like emailing the right people and not being so crazy. And, and, and it just took me so long to get comfortable that I'm still not comfortable with it. I mean, people always ask me like, you know, do you go to dry bar every day? I'm like, no, I can't handle going to dry bar every day because there's too many things that, you know, they wouldn't probably bother you and you probably don't even notice them. But if you, but if you, that's the other, I won't, I mean, I should stop talking, but if you <laughs> go in and you see what I, my theory is, if you go in and you see one thing that's not right, then you all of a sudden, like your brain just naturally looks for the other things that are right. And then it's like a snowball effect and then you're never coming back and the business is over. You know, I mean, this, what was the thing you posted the other day? Catastrophizing? You've been exacerbating. Yeah. <laughs> Guilty. Um, so anyways, but I think it's like finding the people that can balance you out, finding the people that are going to say like, hey, you need to calm down. You need to like, we can figure out a system for this. And then the system actually working, you know, and that, and that we are going to learn from all the things that aren't working. And if we just, it's a teachable moment. So I don't really know where I was going with that, but. <laughs> I, I, I really, I get, sure it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And I, disaster, I got a disaster fantasy. So it's the very same. It's just like, you know, you lay in your bed at night and you're like trying to sleep and try to think of things, go to sleep. And all you think about is like the corners of the store. Yeah. I mean, like so the dirty? corner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not in your store, I'm saying mine. No, but yeah. I mean, the world has dirt in it and whatever. Like, you're not going to not have corners that have whatever. It doesn't matter. But, you know, you, like, or like, but I'll do the same thing. I'll walk in, I'll be like, fine, I'll get the grease trap. Yeah. You know, I'll do like the yeah. most disgusting Nobody thing in the store, yeah. and, but it's so passive aggressive. Yeah. And, yeah. and purposeful. But no, I was the same. I mean, I was the same way. And I, um, I think of myself as like a, um, a front line in the trenches kind of person. That's just where I went. I spent 10 years working in the store before we ever opened a store outside of our like farmer's market environment. That's a long time in someone's life. And so to, to suddenly and quite suddenly over a few years, but I mean, that was quite sudden for me to have to elevate myself without coaching until I met Adrian also, um, without They're coaching, engaged, no, <laughs> um, to, to elevate myself to this other place was inconceivable. So hard for me not to see myself as one and the same as everybody else, you know, everywhere else in the entire company. Mm -hmm. And yet when I walk into the store, I have learned, and it's still really hard for me, that people put me on another level. And my job, and I know that my job is, and this has always been my job, but I mean, and I'm pretty, you know, now, now I get it. My job is only to make people feel good, and like, I am not there to do that, because we're iterating as a company. And so all of the things that are moving forward, um, the corners and all of that stuff, will get done. You, it just goes on a list, and then it gets put into the right place. My job is to yeah. come into it. It is really hard, though, because you do want to, you know, the line's out, out the door and around the block, and I want to jump behind the the, the line and start scooping ice cream. Well, the problem is I haven't known how to work cash register in my store for like <laughs> the last decade because they change them every once in a while. So as soon as I learn one, then I'd go and do that. And, yeah. and I hold up the line. It just ends up making it a bigger mess. <laughs> but I will want to jump in and do that. And it's not my role anymore. Yeah. And that's really, really hard for me to this day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like a, it's like a, you know, it's a good place to be. It's just like a weird place to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
That's I mean, part of part of power includes restraint. You know, if you don't have restraint, then maybe you're not that powerful. You know, maybe then then what people are seeing isn't actually power. It's more like force instead of power, control. Um, I want to pause here because I want you guys to make sure you get to ask your questions. So we're going to go through a, by the way, was, did you guys enjoy that? Yep. Me too. Um, we've got a microphone that's going to be handing, uh, walking around. Uh, so if you've got a question, please raise your hand. Um, there we go. That's Chad. This is Chad. Everybody say hey to Chad. Hey, Chad. Hey, Chad. Hey, Chad. All right. And please, if you've got a question, please stand up and say your name and where you're from. And then your birth certificate, your, your, your birthday and your social security number. No, say your name and, and where you're from. Uh, if you want to mention your, the name of your business, that's great. Uh, or whatever you're doing, I don't care. Um, and, then, and then state your question. And please, please, for the love of everyone, let's have questions, not long statements waiting to get to a question. Thank you very much. I hear that a lot in my relationship. Would you get on with it, she says. Go ahead. Love it. Um, Alexa, like the Amazon Echo. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, from Austin, well, eventually from or Indiana. Um, my question for y'all, um, how do you guys balance, I guess, being these powerful women and also work-life balance? You know, you guys have families, you guys have significant others. Would love just to know how you guys balance that. I'm a psychopath <laughs> about it. I, I, I think the first hire every single person should make is someone who's a practitioner of your calendar. That it, your time is your asset. And I think so many people don't understand that. The most important thing to me is time. So to have someone go through your calendar and make sure every little tiny thing is in there. And listen, I'm not good at time management, so I'm not saying like, I'm the end all be all at that. I'm just saying having that tool of someone who can go through the calendar. Ansley's here right now. She's in the back. She's in the white. She's looking cute. Um, like, and then even having time with my daughter is in the calendar, like a BJ. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, but seriously, like being like, yeah, it doesn't take that long. You're that much? Not with my techniques, but like, uh, just like, so two minutes. <laughs> I'm just We're going to change the direction of this panel now. <laughs> no, but actually like having every little tiny thing in there, like time with your husband. I know that sounds crazy, but it really does help to balance it all. And then making sure that you have systems to get to your goals is number one. If you have any goal and you write it down on a piece of paper, that's great. But what are the systems that you're taking to get there? So let me give you a really micro example. Say you want to launch a t-shirt and you're like, I want to launch this t-shirt. I have this idea. So you write down the goal. Okay, what do you need to do to get the graphic design done? What t-shirt company are you using? How are you doing marketing? What's your distribution strategy? Are you using influencer marketing? Are you posting it on your own Instagram? Like, like I have a poster board of all my goals and underneath it are these tiny little strategies to get there. And then I take the systems and I implement them into my calendar. So like, it'll be like a half an hour on Monday is figure out distribution strategy. And I think, holding yourself accountable to that calendar is incredibly important. And that means putting your phone away, putting your phone on airplane mode and focusing. The calendar to me is like my end all be all. It's color coded. Like my workouts are in yellow. My 
calls are in blue, like everything has a reason. And I really think that's helped me to take my business to the next level. Yeah. I mean, I so agree with that. I feel like I, I call my calendar like the Bible. If it's not in the calendar, it doesn't happen. So I'm, I'm with you. And, and even like reminders and like things I have to do. Um, but, you know, I think for me, it's like <sighs> work-life balance. Like, I don't, I just feel like I'm not good at it. You know, I, I think it's like, um, there's times that I'm good at it and there are times where it's all very regimented and I have like my, my shit together and I'm having a really productive week. And then there's weeks that I'm like, I just, you know, I'm struggling in all the areas, you know, and it's just, <laughs> I don't know if anybody follows me on Instagram, but I posted this week about like, I was just having a really shit day and I was feeling really off and I didn't want to do anything. And I felt really unmotivated, you know, and then two days later, I feel really great and want to conquer the world. You know, for me, it's like very much like this. Um, and I think it's like, I think the balance comes for me in like being okay with the up and ups and downs, you know, it's like, between the two of us, we have four children and two dogs and ex exes. And it's a lot of balancing. And we're trying, we're constant. I feel like we're constantly like our heads are constantly spinning, trying to figure out all our schedules and our lives and our work and our this and our that. Um, but I think I, I enjoy the chaos. I enjoy the like a million like balls in the air. I really enjoy that. Um, and then being able to like you know, honed in on it on a calendar, you know, and make sure like Adrian and I share a calendar. So I always, I know where he is at every moment, <laughs> um, you know, and we share kid calendars. And so it is, it is an integral part and we have assistance and, and then that really does help us. Um, but, you know, I think emotionally and mentally, it's like, I mean, especially growing dry bar when my, when my boys were three and five and we started and I was like, you know, there were days that I was like, I just felt like a really shitty mom because I missed a thing because I had to be at a thing for dry bar. And then there were times where I was like, I had to, I was at something for the kids and I missed a really important thing for dry bar. And I was like, like felt shitty about that. I mean, there was just like so much guilt coming in at all, at all the angles. And it's, I think it's just like, uh, you know, like a, a like a, can't think of the word like sidebar, like a, like a, something that just happens when you own your own business and, you, and like being okay with that. But like, you're not going to, you're not going to check every box every day and like coming to terms with that. Um, is that like, we're all doing the best we can. Jamie O'Banion of Beauty Bio told me that she only lays her head on the pillow and thinks I was a great mom today or I was a great businesswoman. Yeah. She's never laid her head on the pillow and said both. And it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. It's like, you almost have to like balance the days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really smart what you said about not, you're not inspired all the time. I don't like, for yeah. me, I'm very transparent. I am inspired 20% of the time, but it's the 80% of what, what you do with that 80% that matters. You're not gonna be inspired all the time. You're gonna have days where you're tired, mm -hmm. where you're fatigued, where you're over it, where you don't wanna go on. And those are the days that you need to be like, okay, put on your bootstraps and figure it out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, and, um, <laughs> and also I'm a little different um, in that I am um, in a, a, a highly creative, uh, mode all the time or field and mode and, and whatever my job is is uh, the creative I think of Jenny as a creative led community spirited company and that's my my role is that sort of visionary role and so I want to get to flow every day 
And when I can get that's that's like what I'm heading for. So I'm kind of a manifester. So I sort of let it go and go where I need to go every day and feel it and like, you know, literally talk to trees and all that shit. Like I'm really into um, how I feel emotionally and that dictates what I do. So number one, I just think I spend a lot of time, I actually spend a lot of time doing things that probably in a, in a traditional business world, they might think is a waste of time, you know, um, play, input, um, and, and, and thinking, just a lot of time doing things, reading and input. Um, but that's why I can do what I do. And I have to, I don't block that space off the calendar, I just do it all the time. And then I, um, and then I surround myself with people who help me um, who helped me get it to the next level, you know, whatever that is, whether it's the company. But I will give moms in the um, audience a tip. Um, I started telling my kids that they had won the mom lottery, like when they were like two. So I was like, can you believe it? You got like the most incredible mom. I am so happy for you. And they would like repeat it back. And to this day, they like kind of believe it. Sort of. Um, you know, I've, obviously I've not been perfect and it's, you know, it's the same, yeah. but you know, I just started telling them, I'm going to tell them what I want them to say back to me. Yeah. <laughs> and it works. But you know, it, it, I mean, I wish I had thought of that, but I didn't. Um, but I will tell you though, you know, for the moms out there, you know, and it, it, my kids have grown up in dry bar. The kids grew up watching us open stores. And I remember like my older son, who's now 16. Um, he, I remember we first started opening stores in New York and he was like, mom. And he at the time was like six or something or seven. He was like, mom, why do you have to go to New York? Why can't you just open stores here? So you don't have to travel. It was such like a sweet, like innocent, you know, way of thinking about it. And, but, but my bigger point is that like my kids have watched us like work our ass off and they've, they've watched our lives improve because of it. And they've, they've, they know, and I mean, listen, I won't get into it, but my kids have like gone through a lot recently. And there were a lot of things that I missed when they were younger. And there's like a whole other panel, but, but the, but you know, the, the, the larger thing is, and my kids have been saying this to me since like, I can remember, like whenever I tell my kids, like I'm proud of them for like school or grades or sports or just being awesome kids, they always turn to me and say, I'm proud of you, mom. Aww. It always chokes me up yes. um, because it's true. I mean, they've watched me, they've watched the success that I've had and they know that it's like, I work hard and they're proud of me. It's like, and I didn't even have to tell them. Um, <laughs> um, but it, it, it always like, <laughs> I'm going to do that with Michael too. Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe your luck? Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. You know, that like, it, I think your kids see how hard you work and they, they, they get it, you know? And I think that that's an important thing to, anyways, it makes me very proud. Aww. Sorry. <laughs> No, I don't need it. I'm good. <laughs> he always carries a handkerchief. Michael. <laughs> the uh, I'll just I'll add a few. Although you didn't come here for me, I'll add a couple points, which I th I think have been liberating. I know for me is the work-life balance game is a no winner because you're always losing. You're typically I mean 50-50 doesn't happen. Period. And it's and it's uh, whoever made it up didn't do any of us a favor, as I say. I, for me, the, the, the vision is more work-life integration. How can I integrate myself? There's a working self, and I love my working self. I love putting myself to the plow. That's a silly analogy. Working really hard. I like working hard. I like being myself. I like developing myself. I like, I like being with people that I love. And I want all those things to work together, not because they don't compete with one another. 
That's the either or mindset that the balance is. Either I'm this or that versus this both and view. And I mean, my son's playing a baseball game right now and I'm not there and that makes me very sad. But I sent him a video and he sent me a video back and it just swelled my heart, you know? And it's just, it's what we do. <laughs> so I think it is, it's a great, it's a great question. Um, and uh, to add a point to what you all are saying, or to enhance a point, because I think the, point, the, the, the purpose of the Naked Leadership Podcast is, is to illuminate conversations that are always happening but rarely talked about. And I'm, you know, I'm inspired 20%, or I, you know, as a mom, I'm conflicted, or I feel like a failure. This is the stuff we don't talk about that often, and we ought to, just to give ourselves a break. Because leaders need the wind at our back, and if we're busy beating ourselves up for not being inspired all the time, or not being the best mom, partner, whatever, all the time, we, we just can't be there for the world. We can't be there for our people. We can't be there for our teams. So we all ought to you know, be nicer to our, ourselves, so that we can really thrive. Um, so thank you for these enlivening conversations. Let's take another question. Yes. Um, yeah, I know oh, that we Do we need the microphone, I think? I know you're... You can hear. <laughs> um, I know when you start a business, it feels like... Hold on, can you, sorry, can you stand up oh, and yeah, say your name? Um, Introduce us. Hi, I'm Valerie, um, and I own, with my partner Amelia, Sweet Ritual here in Austin, Texas, vegan ice cream shop, so... Um, yeah, so... I know when you start a business, you feel like in, you're in survival mode all the time and you're just trying to get through the day and make the next payroll. Um, when, if ever, do you get to that point where you get over that and you feel like you're actually in growth mode and flourishing mode? Or is it just higher stakes survival mode? And when did you know you had gotten to that next point? No, the problem with being an entrepreneur, founder, the problem with that life it's really, really cool. It's really fun. It's an adventure, but it's an adventure. It's not an adventure unless it hurts. You know what I mean? And so what happens is you get to your, the top of the mountain that you've been climbing and it hurts and you fell off and you broke your ankle and whatever, but you got back up because you had to survive it and got up the top and the, the view was kind of boring. So then you went and looked for a bigger mountain and then you keep, that's the, that's the life. And so once you get past, we're like, Oh God, we're like finally able to make payroll and we can provide health insurance. Well, There's then you start else. growing and then you start doing something else. And then it's like, you know, it, and it's fun. And it's like, it's fun, but it's also hard. So then you're going to look back. Remember the time when we couldn't make payroll and whatever? And believe me, like, I, this isn't that long ago for Jenny's. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're, it's like, and now we're just in, in a whole different thing. So you're always pushing yourself. And I think that part of that is like believing in your like inner warrior and, um, and being proud of yourself. That's what you're proud of. You're proud of getting through it. Right. And then you're going to go look for the bigger mountain. And I think it's like, you know, to piggyback what she's saying, it is like it's like it's such a cliche. Like it's not about the it's not a, it's not a journey. It's not a it's sprint. The climb. Right? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, yeah, it's like it's it, it, the, I'm going to make you sing. See. Um, but it is about like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like there's a there's challenges and challenges and challenges and they keep coming and they keep coming. I love the mountain analogy because it's like you get to one like goal. And yeah, I mean, it took us years and years and years to be profitable at Dry Bar. And we kept raising money and we kept getting diluted. And I kept being like, oh, I don't want to raise any more money. I just, you know, I want us to be profitable. We couldn't, it just, we got, you know, and then we finally got there, you know, but then there was like all these other things now we have to worry about and do. So it's like, there's different, but it was a really great payoff. I mean, once we got the company to, to you know, to profitability and I was like, we're profitable. 
we're profitable. We don't have to raise money anymore. We, yes, as long as keep, things keep going good, we're good, you know, but it's like, but then you have to keep things going good and you have to keep reinventing. And it's like, to your point, it just always keeps going. But I think there are great, really great payoffs along the way where you'll get to the point where you're not going to be where you are now in two years from now you'll have new problems, you know, and new and bigger you'll problems. you'll have a you know? more trust for yourself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, or or for, your, for the future. And you, ha you have to love that. You have mm -hmm. to love that that journey. You know, I have always loved that. I, lo I mean, even now with like, you know, obviously Drybar has been a huge success and we've started another company called Squeeze and now I've, you know, started this jewelry company. They're all um, but it's it's a it's a direct to consumer business. It's a business I don't know that well, and I am back in like the trenches of like, I, how the hell do we grow this business? I got to figure this out, and it's like, but I love it, and I and everybody I talk to about it, I say that I'm like, yeah, it's it's going well, and we're figuring it out. But I'm not like where I want us to be as a business, but I enjoy that challenge, and I love it, and I'm like sinking my teeth into it. And for me, I've had no epiphany. There's been no day I woke up where I was like, wow, it's been, it's Chinese torture, like just not, and I don't mean it's been torture. I just mean it's drops of water, drops of water every single day. I, I feel like if I can lay my head on the pillow every single night, and I've done this over the last 12 years and think of one thing that I've done to push the boulder a little higher up the hill, I feel good about that. Um, I didn't make a dime for three years, not one dime. And I blogged seven days a week and worked on the blog seven days a week. Um, so I think that, that what I normally see is when people come into any business or any blog and they're like, how do I monetize? You're asking the wrong question. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it, that's not the question that you should be asking. The question that you should be asking is how can I make this a huge success and provide as much value as I possibly can to the consumer? Um, and I think that like the people that are just like looking for the money aren't aren't really embracing what entrepreneurship is. It's sick. It's twisted. Sometimes I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? But it is like, and I don't know if anyone else have had this huge epiphany, but I feel like the people that do have this like viral hit that that goes crazy overnight have sort of like an astronaut syndrome. It's like they go to, they go to the moon, they've experienced this incredible thing. And then it's like, you got to come back down to earth. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's hard. I would rather climb slow and strategically and methodically and purposely and, and really, um, sort of play the chessboard with my business than have this like huge aha moment where it's like it changes overnight. I find that the businesses that grow like that end up being, um, the ones that are playing long-term and not short-term. Yeah. God, there's so many good things you just said there. I mean, I totally agree with the money thing too. It's like, you know, you know, I never, we never started, I never started dry bar because I was like trying to make a lot of money. I started dry bar because I wanted to do this thing that I love. I'm sure, you know, you guys feel the same way. It's like, and, and it's funny hearing you say that about the moon thing. Cause I think of you, I've known you a long time and you're, and I feel like I knew you back in the San Diego days. And like when you guys, when I came, you were just talking about it backstage when I was on your podcast. No founders would come on my podcast. One founder who's huge stood me up five minutes before the podcast. When I was just starting out, I had so many people tell me, no, you responded immediately. You came in, you were on time. You were so professional, so lovely, so warm. This was four years ago when I first started at podcast one. That, yeah. Cause I remember we went to that that yeah yeah yep. a random building so I, I had to give you that comment. <laughs> it's still a random building no dear media dear know, media suck. <laughs> dear media is where it's at um but no but it's true I mean it's funny to hear you say that because I think you I think of you I think almost like I think of, I remember that and now I think of you now and I think like you've gotten so massive and everybody loves you and knows you and you have this 
your, you know, 8 million download, 800 million downloads, whatever it is, um, like a gajillion downloads. And I think, you know, that, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, you, you really did like, you know, I've been doing this for 12 years and you guys, I'm not even close to where I want to be. So I think that's, I think that's really important to yeah. share with people who are starting something like it, it takes a long time. And if you're just, there's so many people that I've mentored that start a podcast and they do 50 podcasts and then they quit. And they think, well, I did 50 podcasts. Why am I not making money? Yeah. It's the ones that go past the 50 to the 100 to 200. I mean, I, I know a girl that started with like nothing, just like podcasting out of her closet. And she went past that 50 mark, past that 100 mark. Those are the people that are successful. It's so cliche, but the Jay-Z quote, the genius thing we did was never give up. It's like you have to keep going. Yeah. Well, it's perspectives that it's just a, it's a flyby quote, you know, it's like a throwaway. Like when, but when you said, I'm, I've done all this and I'm nowhere near where I want to be. That's not the exact, what did you say exactly? I just feel like I haven't nicked the potential that I want to go, to go for. And maybe that's crazy. Like, well, maybe the, that's the beauty is this, is that some people <laughs> say, I've come this far and I'm nowhere near where I want to be. And that's laced with, ah, oh, shit. Like, and that's bad news. No, you're, news. you're saying it, this is my point. You're saying it, I've come this far and I'm nowhere near what I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like play with you know? my beard like a Disney villain. I'm ready. <laughs> yes, that's my point. I mean, and, and I, I don't know where everybody is in the, in the audience, like where you, where you came in and where you're at in your life and where you're at in your career. We're getting some directions somewhere. Um, I don't know. Yes. That way. Um, I don't know where you are, like where you're at in life and where you want to be or what the moment is that you're experiencing right now. Um, but I know that we all, uh, it's hard. That's it. Venturing is hard because it's vulnerable and I'd rather not be vulnerable. I'd rather be safe. I'd rather look good. I'd rather have something predictable in front of me. I'd rather, you know, know the way, know what's going to happen. And you just don't get that if you decide to venture. You just don't. And so um, I know I've been very inspired by, first off, the, all the stuff that you're sharing, you've earned it over time, right? You, you didn't read this in a book. You earned all this wisdom. And I know I've been inspired. I know this is just the, the tip of the iceberg of who you guys are as people and who you are as leaders and your impact in the world. So thank you for living in such a way that you get to stand up here or sit up here and share your lives with us. We felt heartened, uh, which is, I think, the, the goal of this conversation. And we get to hang out with you guys for a while after this. Um, so I want to say thank you all for coming and thank you for participating. And we've got amazing sponsors that have come out and brought their best goods here. And we've got uh, book signing here and great food. Please eat all the food. Um, we paid for it. And there's, uh, please, uh, please come and get blowouts, come and buy jewelry, come and get Jenny's Frosé. Uh, we've got this set up just for your ease. If you want to download or subscribe to the podcast, the Naked Leadership Podcast, please do that. Chad designed this great poster. Good job, Chad. Um, if you've got any questions for us about uh, this event tonight or about Lodgewell in particular, please, Lauren, please raise your hand. Everybody say hi to Lauren. Hey, Lauren. Thank you. And back here, hey, there's Shireen. There's Shireen, she's the CEO and founder of Lodgewell. I didn't see you come in, hi. 
thank you, ladies, for the generosity. Let's do this. I know you, you might enjoy this. Let's uh, let you go one at a time and just say kind of like a key charge that you would give to these amazing people that are out deciding to make their life count. What would be your key, key charge to each of them? I mean, I'll just say start small and build. Don't take money unless you absolutely have to. Don't take money from anybody <laughs> unless you have to. Because you got to hold on to that as long as you possibly can. And that's okay to do that. It's just that you got to build your brand. You got to build your ownership. You got to build your power in that. So, so start small, build slowly, build your brand. Um, I would say um, don't worry about having all the answers. Just start. I feel like I've been quoted that because it's my favorite thing I've probably ever said. So I remember it. Um, because I think, you know, it's like I did not have any of the answers. I still don't have many of the answers. And I'm, you, just, you just go. Just go, just do it, just start. I would say stop making everyone around you comfortable and, and play small. I would say play big. If you're making people around you, your mom, your dad, your sister, your friend comfortable, I would start making things uncomfortable. That's how you're gonna hit it to the next level. Um, and not everyone's going to agree with you and not everyone's going to, going to cheer you on. That's part of the gig. That's part of breaking barriers. Um, you have to get uncomfortable to get comfortable. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> I will second that a hundred percent. I feel like you're speaking Adrian's yes. language. Amen. I'm over here. I'm ready. We're on round two. Who wants to stay around for another hour of interviews? <laughs> no, we love you all. Thank you, ladies. Thank Give it up for them. <laughs> Give it up for them. Give it up for them. And enjoy the space. Please, please, please make friends while you're here. We're like-minded in this room. Make friends while we're here. Enjoy everything. Thanks again for coming. <laughs>Well, my friends, thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.